part one chapter five section forty three of the life of jesus critically examined by david friedrich strauss translated by george eliot this librivox recording is in the public domain part one history of the birth and childhood of jesus chapter five the first visit to the temple and the education of jesus section forty three the intellectual development of jesus our information concerning the external life of jesus during his youth is very scanty but we are almost destitute of any concerning his intellectual development for the indeterminate phrase twice occurring in luke's history of the childhood concerning the increase of his spiritual strength and his growth in wisdom tells us no more than we must necessarily have presupposed without it while on the expectations which his parents cherished with respect to him before his birth and on the sentiment which his mother especially then expressed no conclusion is to be founded since those expectations and declarations are themselves unhistorical the narrative just considered of the appearance of jesus in the temple at twelve years of age rather gives us a result the early and peculiar development of his religious consciousness then an explanation of the causes and conditions by which this development was favored but we at least learn from luke chapter two verse forty one what however is to be of course supposed of pious israelites that the parents of jesus used to go to jerusalem every year at the passover we may conjecture then that jesus from his twelfth year generally accompanied them and availed himself of this excellent opportunity amid the concourse of jews and jewish proselytes of all countries and all opinions to form his mind to become acquainted with the condition of his people and the false principles of the pharisaic leaders and to extend his survey beyond the narrow limits of palestine whether or in what degree jesus received the learned education of a rabbin is also left untold in our canonical gospels from such passages as matthew chapter seven verse twenty nine where it is said that jesus taught not as the scribes we can only infer that he did not adopt the method of the doctors of the law and it does not follow that he had never enjoyed the education of a scribe on the other hand not only was jesus called rabbi and rabuni by his disciples from matthew chapter twenty six verses twenty five and forty nine mark chapter nine verse five chapter eleven verse twenty one chapter fourteen verse forty five john chapter four verse thirty one chapter nine verse two chapter eleven verse eight chapter twenty verse sixteen compare chapter one verses thirty eight forty and fifty and by supplicating sufferers from mark chapter ten verse five but even the pharisaic archon nicodemus from john chapter three verse two did not refuse him this title we cannot however conclude from hence that jesus had received the scholastic instruction of a rabbin for the salutation rabbi 
as also the privilege of reading in the synagogue from luke chapter four verse sixteen and following a particular which has likewise been appealed to belonged not only to graduated rabbins but to every teacher who had given actual proof of his qualifications the enemies of jesus explicitly assert and he does not contradict them that he had never learned letters from john chapter seven verse fifteen and the nazarenes are astonished to find so much wisdom in him whence we infer that he had not to their knowledge been a student these facts cannot be neutralized by the discourse of jesus in which he represents himself as the model of a scribe well instructed unto the kingdom of heaven from matthew chapter thirteen verse fifty two for the word grammateus here means a doctor of the law in general and not directly a doctor qualified in the schools lastly the intimate acquaintance with the doctrinal traditions and the abuses of the rabbins which jesus exhibits especially in the sermon on the mount and the anti-pharisaic discourse from matthew chapter twenty three he might acquire from the numerous discourses of the pharisees to the people without going through a course of study under them thus the data on our present subject to be found in the gospels collectively yield the result that jesus did not pass formally through a rabbinical school on the other hand the consideration that it must have been the interest of the christian legend to represent jesus as independent of human teachers may induce a doubt with respect to these statements in the new testament and a conjecture that jesus may not have been so entirely a stranger to the learned culture of his nation but from the absence of authentic information we can arrive at no decision on this point various hypotheses more or less independent of the intimations given in the new testament have been advanced both in ancient and modern times concerning the intellectual development of jesus they may be divided into two principal classes according to their agreement with the natural or the supernatural view the supernatural view of the person of jesus requires that he should be the only one of his kind independent of all external human influences self-taught or rather taught of god hence not only must its advocates determinedly reject every supposition implying that he borrowed or learned anything and consequently place in the most glaring light the difficulties which lay in the way of the natural development of jesus but the more surely to exclude every kind of reception they must also be disposed to assign as early an appearance as possible to that spontaneity which we find in jesus in his mature age this spontaneous activity is twofold it is theoretical and practical as regards the theoretical side comprising judgment and knowledge the effort to give as early a date as possible to its manifestation in jesus displays itself in the apocryphal passages which have been already partly cited and which describe jesus as surpassing his teachers 
long before his twelfth year for according to one of them he spoke in his cradle and declared himself to be the son of god the practical side too of that superior order of spontaneity attributed to jesus in his later years namely the power of working miracles is attached by the apocryphal gospels to his earliest childhood and youth the evangelium tomai opens with the fifth year of jesus the story of his miracles and the arabian evangelium infantii fills the journey into egypt with miracles which the mother of jesus performed by means of the swaddling bands of her infant and the water in which he was washed some of the miracles which according to these apocryphal gospels were wrought by jesus when in his infancy and boyhood are analogous to those in the new testament cures and resuscitations of the dead others are totally diverse from the ruling type in the canonical gospels extremely revolting retributive miracles by which every one who opposes the boy jesus in any matter whatever is smitten with lameness or even with death or else mere extravagancies such as the giving of life to sparrows formed out of mud the natural view of the person of jesus had an opposite interest which was also very early manifested both among jewish and heathen opponents of christianity and which consisted in explaining his appearance comfortably to the laws of causality by comparing it with prior and contemporaneous facts to which it had a relation and thus exhibiting the conditions on which jesus depended and the sources from which he drew it is true that in the first centuries of the christian era the whole region of spirituality being a supernatural one for heathens as well as jews the reproach that jesus owed his wisdom and seemingly miraculous powers not to himself or to god but to a communication from without could not usually take the form of an assertion that he had acquired natural skill and wisdom in the ordinary way of instruction from others instead of the natural and the human the unnatural and the demoniacal were opposed to the divine and the supernatural compare matthew chapter twelve verse twenty four and jesus was accused of working his miracles by the aid of magic acquired in his youth this charge was the most easily attached to the journey of his parents with him into egypt that native land of magic and secret wisdom and thus we find it both in celsus and in the talmud the former makes a jew allege against jesus amongst other things that he had entered into service for wages in egypt that he had there possessed himself of some magic arts and on the strength of these had on his return vaunted himself for a god the talmud gives him a member of the jewish sanhedrim as a teacher makes him journey to egypt with this companion and bring magic charms from thence into palestine the purely natural explanation of the intellectual development of jesus could only become prevalent amid the enlightened culture of modern times in working out this explanation the chief points of difference are the following 
either the character of jesus is regarded in too circumscribed a view as a result of only one among the means of culture which his times afforded or more comprehensively as the result of all these combined again in tracing this external influence either the internal gifts and self-determination of jesus are adequately considered or they are not in any case the basis of the intellectual development of jesus was furnished by the sacred writings of his people of which the discourses preserved to us in the gospels attest his zealous and profound study his messianic ideas seem to have been formed chiefly on isaiah and daniel spiritual religiousness and elevation above the prejudices of jewish nationality were impressively shadowed forth in the prophetic writings generally together with the psalms next among the influences affecting mental cultivation in the native country of jesus must be reckoned the three sects under which the spiritual life of his fellow-countrymen may be classified among these the pharisees whom jesus at a later period so strenuously combated can apparently have had only a negative influence over him yet along with their fondness for tradition and legal pedantry their sanctimoniousness and hypocrisy by which jesus was repelled from them we must remember their belief in angels and in immortality and their constant admission of a progressive development of the jewish religion after moses which were so many points of union between them and jesus still as these tenets were only peculiar to the pharisees in contradistinction to the sadducees and for the rest were common to all orthodox jews we abide by the opinion that the influence of the pharisaic sect on the development of jesus was essentially negative in the discourses of jesus sadduceeism is less controverted nay he agrees with it in rejecting the pharisaic traditions and hypocrisy hence a few of the learned have wished to find him a school in this sect but the merely negative agreement against the errors of the pharisees an agreement which moreover proceeded from quite another principle in jesus than in the sadducees is more than counterbalanced by the contrast which their religious indifference their unbelief in immortality and in spiritual existences formed with the disposition of jesus and his manner of viewing the world that the controversy with the sadducees is not prominent in the gospels may be very simply explained by the fact that their sect had very slight influence on the circle with which jesus was immediately connected the adherents of sadduceeism belonging to the higher ranks alone concerning one only of the then existing jewish sects can the question seriously arise whether we ought not to ascribe to it a positive influence on the development and appearance of jesus the sect namely of the essenes in the last century the derivation of christianity from essenism was very much in vogue not only english deists and among the germans bart and venturini but even theologians such as stadlin embraced the idea in the days of freemasonry and secret orders 
there was a disposition to transfer their character to primitive Christianity. The concealment of an Essene lodge appeared especially adapted to explain the sudden disappearance of Jesus after the brilliant scenes of his infancy and boyhood, and again after his restoration to life. Besides the forerunner John, the two men on the Mount of Transfiguration, and the angels clothed in white at the grave and on the Mount of Ascension, were regarded as members of the Essene Brotherhood, and many cures of Jesus and the apostles were referred to the medical traditions of the Essenes. Apart, however, from these fancies of a bygone age, there are really some essential characteristics which seem to speak in favor of an intimate relation between Essenism and Christianity. The most conspicuous as such are the prohibition of oaths and the community of goods. With the former was connected fidelity, peaceableness, obedience to every constituted authority. With the latter, contempt of riches and the custom of traveling without provisions these and other features such as the sacred meal partaken in common the rejection of sanguinary sacrifices and of slavery constitute so strong a resemblance between essenism and christianity that even so early a writer as eusebius mistook the therapeutae a sect allied to the essenes for christians but there are very essential dissimilarities which must not be overlooked. Leaving out of consideration the contempt of marriage, since Josephus ascribes it to a part only of the Essenes, the asceticism, the punctilious observance of the Sabbath, the purifications, and other superstitious usages of this sect, their retention of the names of angels, the mystery which they affected and their contracted exclusive devotion to their order are so foreign nay so directly opposed to the spirit of jesus that especially as the essenes are nowhere mentioned in the new testament the aid which this sect also contributed to the development of jesus must be limited to the uncertain influence which might be exercised over him by occasional intercourse with Essenes. Did other elements, such as were merely Jewish, or at least confined to Palestine, operate upon Jesus? Of the heathens settled in Galilee of the Gentiles, there was hardly much to be learned beyond patience under frequent intercourse with them. On the other hand, at the feasts in Jerusalem, not only foreign Jews, some of whom, as, for example, the Alexandrian and Cyrenian Jews, had synagogues there, see Acts chapter 6 verse 9, but also devout heathens were to be met with, see John chapter 12 verse 20, and that intercourse with these had some influence in extending the intellectual horizon of Jesus, and spiritualizing his opinions, has, as we have already intimated, all historical probability. But why do we, in the absence of certain information, laboriously seek after uncertain traces of an influence which contemporary means of development may have exercised on Jesus? And yet more, why, on the other side, 
are these labors so anxiously repudiated whatever amount of intellectual material may be collected the spark by which genius kindles it and fuses its various elements into a consistent whole is neither easier to explain nor reduced in value thus it is with jesus allow him to have exhausted the means of development which his age afforded a comprehensive faculty of reception is with great men ever the reverse side of their powerful originality allow him to have owed far more to essenism and alexandrianism and whatever other schools and tendencies existed than we in our uncertainty are in a condition to prove still for the reformation of a world these elements were all too little the leaven necessary for this he must obtain from the depth of his own mind but we have not yet spoken of an appearance to which our gospels assign a most important influence in developing the activity of jesus that of john the baptist as his ministry is first noticed in the gospels in connection with the baptism and public appearance of jesus our inquiry concerning him and his relation to jesus must open the second part end of section forty three